It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop. And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. The segue here is just the, the the emphasis on how much this offseason means. And it goes back to what we talked about a few minutes ago with that name, Patrick Mahomes. And it takes you back to a 2017 draft process that I think we can explore a little bit in our conversation today, forward-looking, rather than through the lens that we've looked at it for so long, which is backward-looking with the lament of, oh, my God, the Bears really stepped in it there. And they, they, they said, but look, like the conclusion is undeniable. They set themselves back. You know, Justin well, Fields is here because Mr. Trubisky failed. Matt Eberflus is here because Matt Nagy failed. You know, Ryan Poles is here because Ryan Pace failed. No and doubt. so what you have to do is learn lessons from all these lessons that you've, you, you've had to learn from, but particularly that 2017 draft that tells you things. Because Ryan Poles was in the building in Kansas City when the Chiefs woke up on the first round of the draft with the 27th overall pick and somehow finished the night with their forever quarterback. And, right. and, and, and the Bears, we know what happened inside Hellas Hall and the number of missteps that were made during the process. Um, but I guess starting out, because this is going to be a meaty discussion about Patrick Mahomes, it, it, as you watch him go onto that Super Bowl stage for the third time, in 37 months, what are the things about Patrick Mahomes that to you are, are, are defining? I think you start with, with what we knew coming out of college. It's those tangible things. You knew he had the arm strength. You knew he had the arm talent to make any throw on the field. You knew he had this kind of generational arm talent and this kind of uncanny ability to make these throws from different arm angles and things like that. What we did know was the intangible things that we learned about him in terms of his leadership ability, uh, the impact that he would have on his teammates, how tough he is. We didn't know we didn't know those things about him. Honestly, I was leaning heavily toward Deshaun Jackson coming out. I mean, Deshaun Watson, I'm sorry, coming out of the draft even more so than Patrick Mahomes. But either way, um, I think that we've learned that that Patrick Mahomes not only has the physical tools, but he has those intangible things that can make you a true leader of a franchise, not just the face of a franchise, not just their best player, but a true, true leader in that locker room. I think all those guys follow him. I think the Cincinnati Bengals and their mayor learned that about Patrick <laughs> Mahomes last week, right? You talk all that stuff and these guys came to bat for, for Patrick Mahomes. You go on the, you got the mayor talking about Joe Burrow might be his father. And it's like, <laughs> what? <laughs> okay. All right. We we got we all gonna wrap our brother. So I, I I love what I've seen from Patrick Mahomes, not only physically but the intangibles. What I think is underestimated with Patrick Mahomes is just what you talked about, and it's the, it's that competitive passion and that competitive mm-hmm. fire. Because Patrick is like this gregarious dude who's got the funny, you know, Kermit the Frog voice that he says, and yeah, so, the so, weird so, voice he walks funny, <laughs> so, 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 right? Like so, you don't think of him in the same light. Like I always say that in my lifetime, there are four athletes that to me are competitive psychopaths that like no one could imagine it's Jordan it's Kobe it's Tiger Woods and it's Tom Brady right and yeah. it's those guys that 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 are are so obsessive about one thing and it's the end result of whatever competition they're in that they will do anything to get that 
And I think there is uh, an element of that to Patrick that just hasn't really been appreciated to the level that it needs to be appreciated at. Listen, he's still in his 20s. He's going back to the Super Bowl for the third time. There's an opportunity here that if he wants to play another 10, 12 years, he can start to load those fingers up with rings. He can start to load up those trophy cases in Kansas City with, with AFC Championship trophies. And then we'll look back on this and go, Oh, of course, of course, the dude had a high ankle sprain and went out there and, and in an AFC championship game had enough to will his team to a win, including a five yard scramble that sets up the winning field goal on a bum ankle yeah. that tells you everything about that wiring, right? That competitive fire and, and that and that, you know, competitive psychopath DNA that's in some of these guys. Yeah, I think a lot of that is hindsight. You don't really know those things as you're experiencing them. You go back to Tom Brady's first Super Bowl with the Patriots. You just thought, hey, this this young kid, you know, caught lightning in a bottle. You don't understand the maniacal work that goes into that and how prepared he was for that moment when Mo Lewis knocked Drew Bledsoe into another dimension. Like he was he was prepared for that moment. And so uh, you don't understand that until later, until he wins, you know, third, fourth Super Bowl. And you're like, man, this dude kind of, he's just wired different. So I think we're going to look back on this thing and say, man, the high ankle sprains, it's one of the worst things you can do in, in, without having torn or broken something. Like that thing could take easily four or five weeks. And so for him to come back a week later and be ready to go and then to meet the pressure of Burrowhead and all that type <laughs> of stuff uh, to still make plays for his team, to still scramble and do those improvisational things. We saw him with the little flip touchdown pass over on the sideline. Like he's that kind of guy. I think only years from now we're going to look back and appreciate all the things that we're seeing in the moment. And look, I mean, he goes back to a year ago. And obviously, they didn't make the Super Bowl, and they just had to get in the AFC Championship game. But just the, those plays he made in the shootout against Josh yeah. Allen in the Bills game, where you say that. I'm going to read you some numbers here because I was compiling some of these on Mahomes that just they're, they're, they're absolutely mind blowing. And we're five years into this, okay? And so he's got 24,241 regular season career passing yards, which would be the Bears' all time record if he stopped playing today. It would be the Bears' all time record. Stop playing today. <laughs> It would Jeez. be the Bears' all-time record. He has 192 regular season touchdown passes. Would also be the Bears' record if he stopped playing today. His career regular season record as a starter is 64 and 16. His playoff record is 10 and 3. He has played zero road playoff games. Okay, wow. so wow. he's not not only never missed the playoffs, he's never missed conference championship Sunday. And he has never been trailing at the end of comp at regulation in Conference Championship Sunday. His two losses are overtime, overtime losses, one against Brady where he never got to touch the ball because they lost the coin flip, and right. the other one, obviously, to Burrow and the Bengals. Last five seasons, the five years that he's been starting, he's, his average season has been 4,791 yards and 38 touchdowns. Average season over five years. First five years as a starter in the league. That's sick, man. That's absolutely <laughs> sick. Like, you know what I mean? To not have to go on the road. They hosted five AFC title games. Like, that's that's like crazy stuff, man. It's like just, That's absolutely absurd. You're talking about averaging 4,000 yards. If we can get a 4,000-yard passing season in Chicago, we go crazy. He wakes up out of bed doing that. That's that's the baseline. And it, it's, it's, it's absolutely crazy to think just how good he is. And I know you got to account for how much the league has changed and how much of a passing league it's become and how many of the rules have kind of lent themselves towards more offensive production. But that being said, there's 31 other guys doing that. They playing that position. They aren't doing it like he's doing it though. Right. And so that dude is absolutely different. Uh, he's going to be on that Mount Rushmore of quarterbacks when it's all said. Some people are already put him there. Some people are already talking about him as 
an all-time great. And I don't, I'm not going to argue with him, but certainly once he's done, like you said, they continue on the trajectory that they're on and he finds himself in four, five, six more Super Bowls. Uh, he's going to be undoubtedly cemented in that Mount Rushmore of quarterbacks all time. We're recording this episode on February 1st, which is, you know, it is annual Tom Brady retirement day. Second straight year on February right. 1st that Tom Brady's announces retirement. But I remember that first AFC championship game that Mahomes was in against Brady and you watched it and it was compelling to watch this young dude go toe to toe with the goat and be like, I'm not, I'm not scared of this. This moment isn't too big for me. This stage excites me. And that's what Mahomes has been. And he's continued that on. And so like th- th- there's two parts to this, her, because, I think you'd agree that that Ryan Poles has been very consistent in talking about his pursuit of achievement being pursuing achievement that can be sustained, right? That you mm-hmm. can that you don't just have this flash year that the Bears always have, and then you fall off, and right. you know you make some decisions, and you can't you can't have any longevity of the success you have. And so Ryan experienced it in Kansas City. He he got there in the first four years. He's under Scott Pioli, and uh, you know Todd Haley's the coach, and then Romeo Cornell has to relieve him at some point. It was just a mess. And then Ryan Poles watches the Chiefs become what they've become. And people will always say, well, yeah, of course they became what they became. They, they, they landed on a generational quarterback in Patrick Mahomes that became the engine for what has been these last five years. And my pushback to that is always Give the Chiefs credit for that. It's not like they somebody pulled their name out of the Patrick Mahomes raffle right. in 2017 right. and said, he's coming to your city. They discovered him, right? Like, And obviously, he was going to be a first-round draft pick somewhere. But they woke up with the number 27 overall pick and had did so much homework throughout the process to believe that they had uh, not only a generational talent, but an infrastructure and a support system that could bring out the best in him, that they deserve credit for having Patrick Mahomes you know, the guy that's driven this. And as we talk about the bears, they've been in this, this spinning your wheels mode because they missed on Mitch Trubisky. So I, I, as you look back on, on 2017, what are the things that, 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 that stick in your head about the woulda, shoulda, coulda, what might've been and, and where this whole thing wound up? Man, to your point with the chiefs though, it's, you got to give them credit for the work they did before the draft to understand one, we love this kid. Two, where is he going to be in the draft? Can we possibly get ourselves in position to be able to get him? There's a lot of work that goes into that. And then to be able to execute on the day of to actually go get him. Now you got him in the building. That's just step one. And we talked about how great he is. But football is the ultimate team sport. Ain't you not good enough to do this by yourself. I don't care who you are. They put a really, really good team around him year after year after year no matter what kind of turnover they had they had the huge Tyreek Hill thing and all Tyreek's gone he's taking all the money in Miami what do they do go and be the number one offense again without him and so they continue to just put things around him Andy Reid continues to be the offensive genius that we've known him to be uh and so it's it's the it's everything it's everything in the building that hopefully you know uh Ryan Poles has has some of that in him and he's brought it to Chicago and so we'll see but you go back to 2017 with the Bears and I just then I don't I don't know what they were doing. I don't know <laughs> what they saw in in Mitch Trubisky and his 13 starts in North Carolina. I just I don't understand it. Um, I don't know what what because it's not like they were saying, OK, we, we we've got the number three pick. We'll sit here and whichever one of those guys is here, we'll take them. And that right. guy happened to be Mitch Trubisky. You decided that you had to have Mitch Trubisky. He was head and shoulders better than Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes. You had to have him. And he was worth leveraging the franchise for and sending all these picks to the 49ers for. And that's just, it makes 
no sense. Nobody who was watching college football said, even if you love Mr. Biscay, even if you went through all of the pre-draft process and said, hey, this kid's got it, nobody thought he was head and shoulders above Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes to where you just could not live with yourself if you didn't go get Mr. Biscay. So, Herb, that's a point that I've been making for years now, and I think it's just it's such a, a valid point to hammer home and hammer home and hammer home again because as we look forward, the lesson within that, and listen, I think the 2017 draft process has – three dozen lessons that can be learned that can be applied to future drafts. And one of them is don't become infatuated with a guy that you become so blinded to your other options because Ryan Pace was so dedicated to making sure that he, he wound up with Mitch Trubisky that he played this game of secrecy throughout the Mm -hmm. pre-draft process. And then even after all these months and months and months of secrecy, which ultimately hurt your process because you weren't involving the right people to the level that they needed to be involved to, to truly break down a decision that was going to shape your franchise for at least five years, maybe 15, you still got to draft night and felt so jittery that you traded up from three to number two. And you traded up from number three to number two for the very reason that you just stated, because it was, it was like, we can't bear the thought of settling for Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes. And in retrospect, you go, wait, what? Wait, what? You, you you would have lost your mind if the San Francisco 49ers would have pulled the trigger on Mitch Trubisky at number two, and you would have had to settle? I got to stop you there, Dan. That's that's not even retrospect. Like, that's that's not even retrospect. That's not even like having seen what the three trajectories of, their, of those guys' careers have been, right? And who knows? Mitch Trubisky may find it. He may have himself a really, really stellar career going forward, whatever. We'll see what happens with Deshaun Watson. We know what Patrick Mahomes is. But that wasn't – that's not hindsight. We – you watching them play college football, you knew that the kid who had lit up Alabama twice, who had been the back-to-back national championship games, you knew that he was better than the quarterback in his same conference in the ACC down the road in North Carolina. You – that's that's not something we found out after they got to the league. You knew that before. But, again, if you evaluated him – Mr. Bisky, I'm talking about, and you loved him, no problem. If you just want, if you wanted him more, cool. But to say that you had to have him because he was so much better than those two guys, ridiculous. Yeah. And, and so, you know, that's part of this. As you go forward, you have to understand that, especially in a year like this, where the Bears have the number one overall pick and they've got a bunch of draft picks to use it, you have to understand that every one of those decisions could be one of those pivot points for your franchise, right? One of those points that either puts you on a springboard or throws you into quicksand. And and you want to make sure you're, you're aiming for the springboard, right? Like, I, Please I know hit the you, springboard. Yeah, just hit the springboard <laughs> and see where it goes. And so, like, like that, that's a, a huge lesson in that. Rich Campbell and I had to, to – to, do the deep deep dive on the quarterback process of 2017 at the end of the 2019 season when the Bears had sort of missed that big window of opportunity in their 100th season to go chase a Super Bowl. And meanwhile, the two quarterbacks that we've mentioned, Mahomes and Watson, were playing for an AFC title that year. And there were a lot of things that we unearthed in our reporting during that process. Some of the intel I don't know we've ever really shared, but there's a couple things that that I want to bring up here because it'll transition us into another part of this conversation it's that the bears actually did like patrick mahomes that they mm-hmm. they you know they they went to chapel hill and they 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 did this visit with mitch and and immediately from there they flew to lubbock and they they did a private workout and it, it's dave ragone and it's dowell loggins and it's john fox and it's uh ryan pace and and josh lucas and they go down there and they love the kid's swagger they love his arm talent they see him making some of these creative artistry throws that he does and they say like this dude belongs in our top cloud. And, and here's some of the names that were in that top cloud going into the 2017 draft for them. Miles Garrett, Mitch Trubisky, Patrick Mahomes, Jamal Adams, Leonard Fournette, Christian McCaffrey. You talked to a lot of people that were involved in the process, and it was 
Foxy either wanted to pick Jamal Adams or if they were going to take a quarterback, he wanted Deshaun Watson. Dave Ragone wanted Deshaun Watson. Dowell Loggins actually was banging the table for Christian McCaffrey and wanted Christian McCaffrey to be the, the difference-making superstar in that building. And then you had Ryan Pace and Josh Lucas and then a bunch of scouts who, who really felt strongly that Mitch was the top guy. That's all fine. And, and, and Mahomes is in, uh, in that top cloud, right? And, and so it goes to the, the point of like, okay, if he's in your top cloud, why can't you wait for him at three? You know, why, why did Mitch sell you so much? And so, uh, you know, there's two parts to this. Number one is, is if you have a, a, a healthy organization, and a healthy mm-hmm. infrastructure, your team president comes along at some point in those three months and says, hey, um, I realize we don't usually get to pick in the top five very often. What are you guys thinking about with this pick? Right. Get a little right. bit of intel. And then says, hey, uh, Ryan, have you told John uh, that, 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 you know, that, that you're drafted a quarterback? This year? You know, there, there's so many points within that thing where, again, if you're a healthy organization, and I bring that up because Kevin Warren is here, and I think he will provide more health in this regard to the sounding board, the discussion, the brainstorming. Have you considered? Have you thought about? Do I have a connection in one of these players' backgrounds that I can call and ask and say, does this guy have the it factor? Does he have the DNA? It's really interesting because, it, you know, like we can kill them for the lack of um, homework that they did on Deshaun Watson and, and justifiably sure. so they deserve to be killed. But they liked Patrick Mahomes and then ultimately got to draft day and decided they couldn't wait around couldn't live with them. and see. No. Now, to your point earlier, that, that you got to learn that lesson. And so this regime has to understand that. And I think they will. I think they'll, they'll be better. But they got to understand that we cannot – miss this thing and we can't be so stuck on this one person or this one player then you just listed five or six guys i'd love to have any of them except mr trubisky right just give give me any of those other guys any of them even Leonard for even Leonard fournette give me any of those other guys i'd be fine with it um they missed it and it's like you could have just sat where you were and if for whatever reason somebody else was thinking like you were thinking and took mitch one or two you're still gonna get yourself a really really good player right where you are and to 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 not see it that way, to not view it that way was a huge, huge oversight. And like you said, it, it's it's set this franchise back at least five years. And so, cool. Now you've been bad more. Now you've got Justin Fields. Now you've got a new head coach and you've got a new GM and a new president. Can they do it better? Because you don't like you don't want to be in the top five over and over and over again in terms of draft position. Before we get into the Kansas City portion of this discussion, which obviously is the lessons that Ryan Poles learned in the organization that found Patrick Mahomes or or at least found him to be theirs, right? Mm-hmm. I, I want to ask you this because this is a conversation that comes up in Chicago and there's 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 two parts of it. The new the newfangled part of the conversation is would the Bears have been in a Super Bowl any time in the last six seasons if they had t- taken Patrick Mahomes. The other part of this is back in like 2019, early 2020, when people would get angry when you brought up the 2017 quarterback draft, they'd say, you know, the, the pushback would be, well, if Mahomes was here, he wouldn't have been any good anyway. And I would always counter that, her by saying, if you think that the organization you follow and root for is capable of screwing up one of the best football players at the most position of all time, (laughs) then what's the point of even following anymore, right? If you think they're that inept that they would get a guy with that level of talent and potential and screw him up, then what's the point of following anymore? If they can't even take a gift like that and turn him into something, then they're so lost. And so I I, I guess I'll get you to respond to that and then see if you think that they would have found their way to a Super Bowl if they would have taken Mahomes instead of Trubisky in 2017. 
Yeah, I'm with you, man. If you think if you think they're gonna mess up Patrick Mahomes, then you can just throw Justin Fields away. Like this doesn't like what are they gonna do with anybody? Right? If you, if you can't get it right with him, and so I think that um, certainly they could have had the opportunity to go to the Super Bowl. I mean, that was a really really good team that they had in 18. That team was really really good. It was obviously led by their defense, but if that defense has a complementary offense that can consistently put points on the board, um, what what was the final score? Was it 16 15? What was the final score in the Eagles game? The playoff yeah. game? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think Patrick Mahomes gets you 17 points. That's what I think. You know, I think I think Patrick Mahomes gets you 17 points. And so I think that with that defense and again, he keeps the window open for a little bit longer. And so nobody's nobody's in a hurry to say, hey, no Akeem Hicks, no Khalil Mack. You know, you're not in a hurry to do those things. You're trying to figure out how we can get more pieces in here as opposed to getting rid of some of these guys. And so I think that with Patrick Mahomes and that defense that they had early, uh, early in, in their careers, they would have had an opportunity to go to the Super Bowl for sure. You know, I talked in November, like what, what would the 2018 Bears have been like with 2022 Justin Fields, right? Second year Justin Fields playing with that defense. Now, level that up and say, what would the 2018 Bears have been like with Patrick Mahomes as their quarterback? You know, and you, and, and you think about it, look, like you can't assume that the developmental process would have been exactly the same you know no, you had Andy, you had Andy Reid Andy Reid's right. different you had an infrastructure of playmakers in there they understood that they could tap into Patrick's strengths in ways that that the Bears probably weren't equipped to do it but Patrick Mahomes is clearly a transcendent talent and would have done things to elevate even the coaches around him and the talent yeah. around him and, and, and done things to you know like you say you get in a playoff uh, uh, scenario in 2018 and now all you need to do is get to 20 to move on yeah. to the next round and then take your crack you know, that Fangio defense was ridiculous. That Fangio defense was absolutely ridiculous. And so you get that defense with a quarterback that can put you some points on the board, who's going to elevate everybody in the building, not just on Sundays, but everybody in the building all week long, all season long. He does that. I think he absolutely would have made a difference and they would have certainly had a chance to go to the Super Bowl with that defense and Patrick Mahomes. So because of, of everything we've just said, I think I think you could 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 make the argument that the most egregious part of the 2017 draft process was trading up from three to two and and, and just giving away other capital because you decided that, that that guy you couldn't live without.